welcome to WP Tonic Live, episode 38, with our special guests today, Carrie Dills and Brian Clark. Also, a quick reminder, if you want to watch the Hangout, you can go to WPTonic-com or NewMediaGold-com and watch it online. Or you can tap the artwork if you're on an iPhone and up will pop YouTube so you can watch the show. Go ahead, Jonathan. Take it away. So I'd like to welcome our guests first and maybe you can introduce yourself, Carrie, to the uh, audience. Sure thing. Howdy. I'm Carrie Dills, based out of Texas, and I'm a freelancer, consultant, and do quite a bit of work with the Genesis Framework. Great, Carrie. I'd like to introduce our other guest, Brian Clark. Would you like to introduce yourself, Brian? Sure. Um, Brian Clark, coming to you from Boulder, Colorado. I'm the founder and CEO of Copyblogger Media. I think the Genesis Framework is one of our products. Carrie can confirm that. We uh, do have an extensive product line, so... Not sure. Too, too extensive sometimes, but uh, yeah. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on the show, Brian. Um, I'd like to introduce our regular panel. Um, um, I'll start with John Locke. Would you like to introduce yourself, John? Yes. Um, my name is John Locke, and I'm an independent WordPress developer from Sacramento operating as Lockdown Design. Um, next uh, from our regular panel is Morton. Would you like to introduce yourself, Morton? Hello, I am Morton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make WordPress tutorials and tell people about WordPress all the time. Yeah, I also sure. have opinions every now and again. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> I would never guess. Um, next, um, another Brian, Brian Bourne. Would you like to introduce yourself, Brian? Yeah, I'm Brian Bourne. I'm one half of Bourne Creative, a Sacramento-based web design uh, and WordPress development agency. Right. Uh, thanks, Brian. Our uh, next uh, regular panelist is David. Would you like to introduce yourself, David? David Laetta, um, uh, Orlando, Florida. Use WordPress. I'll suck up to both of our guests and say that I use Genesis for most of the builds. Good man. Uh, great. Um, we, two of our regular panelists hopefully will be joining us, Sally and Adam, but they told me that it probably might be a bit later on if they um, we, we're still talking. Um, Brian Clark has told me that he's off when he gets bored. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, so let, let's, um, let's start the proceedings with a question. Obviously, we've got two great figures in Studio Press and in Rainmaker. So um, basically, what what is the purpose of Rainmaker, Brian? You know, I've got some faults that you um, that you might be trying to develop something that might be a competitor hub spot. Um, you might be going down that pathway. So how do you see Rainmaker and what you're up to, Brian? Yeah, it's interesting. Um so on one end of the spectrum, in from our viewpoint, you have Squarespace, which is a SaaS website builder, um, very good for building fairly simple sites. You know, a company that took seventy-eight point five million in venture capital, still a private company, but does advertise on the Super Bowl. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have our friends at HubSpot, who have taken. Uh, 100 million before they went public um, and built a proprietary uh, marketing automation and web publishing system. So Rainmaker, uh, we see it as fitting in between those two 
polls, not as expensive as HubSpot, um, and certainly not aimed at people with internal sales teams, um, but a, a little more sophisticated than you would get with Squarespace as far as uh, marketing automation, content optimization, membership capabilities, all that kind of thing. So the only reason we're able to do what we've been able to do is because we are WordPress people long time and, and at core, and yet um, the, the direction WordPress has gone in the years that I've been involved in the premium market, and of course Brian Gardner uh, was really a pioneer in, in that market, uh, we've seen that WordPress is a godsend to a lot of us who were doing HTML the hard way back in the old days, and yet there's this whole market that really it's still too hard for. And honestly, since Thesis through Genesis to Rainmaker, that's kind of been my mission, which is to make a platform that is easier for people to use and you know, with Rainmaker, I think it's a work in progress where we have to continually refine the user experience because it's hard to have powerful and um, simple. You know, Infusionsoft is a great um, example of that. It's very powerful, but it's very, very complicated to use to where you literally have to pay all this money just for training to understand how to use it. So a lot of people right now are, are, are pasting together WordPress sites with plugins and themes and this and that, and then tacking on things like lead pages and Infusionsoft to try to get this complete solution. And that's really what we're trying to provide with Rainmaker. One thing that does it all better for less, less expense, frankly. Right. Yeah. So, um, what do you, what do you think, Kerry? Do you you know how do you see this um, moving forward? You know, we've got the CEO of the company, but have you got any thoughts on the direction it should go? Uh, I think it's it's interesting. I've, when it first came out, I was curious how that would impact uh, you know people who are just doing regular development with the Genesis framework. Uh, but it's actually opened up an entirely different. Um, it's not detracting from Genesis developers. It's just opened up a new market of opportunity. Uh, as a developer, it's it is not as uh, easy to work with as just getting your hands on the the Genesis framework. But certainly, from uh, it, for a client that wants to go in and easily manipulate their content, it's a great platform for that. What do you reckon, Moulton? I haven't looked at it yet, so I'm just thinking out loud here. <laughs> uh, I find it interesting that the we ha we're having this dramatic shift in the WordPress community from people who do WordPress to people who basically do content marketing. And um, I'm, I'm wondering how, like, what we see with Rainmaker and other things that are happening in the community in general is a shift, you know, towards this idea that WordPress becomes like a thing that just runs in the back end and what you're actually doing is creating content, which probably was the original intent of the application. It's just that we've, we in the community have gotten so focused on the application itself that we kind of forgot what people were doing, using it for. And yeah, these I mean, tools seem to be coming back to take over that part of the conversation again. Well, that's an excellent point because what's a WordPress site without content? Invisible. You know, and that's the problem with, you know, that Squarespace faces with their churn. You know, they'll sell someone a site, but people don't know what to do with it, and therefore it's invisible, and then it goes away, you know. So 
to us, it was important to educate people about content creation and, and the mar marketing applications of that. Plus, again, as a bootstrap company, it took us a while to do this. <laughs> and the reason why we have so many product lines is we had to sell everything we created just to get here. So it, it is an issue, um, but we've never in our ever considered that this was going to eliminate Genesis in any, in any idea of that. Um, Genesis is the design framework for Rainmaker. So our hope was with people like Carrie is like, of course, you're, you're too skilled a de developer to need a effectively point and click platform. Um, and unless we can make it to the point where you can just push a button with our, our new reseller technology with certain templates, you can deploy a site that's configured however you want it. In certain situations, that's pretty cool, but that's not real custom development. The question is, how good does do these SaaS platforms become to where a lot of normal development just becomes seen as kind of a pain to the core business of trying to get people to figure out, okay, how do we actually make content that gets our site seen? Can I ask a quick question? And then um, I'm going to ask Brian Bourne to um, ask Brian a question, but just ask you a quick question, Brian. Um, sure. Basically, um, I just want to make clear, do you see this as, I saw that you could only take this in, might take this in two directions. Either you take it kind of in the hub spot, way or you try and develop a um a better run kind of theme forest basically where you use the power of your genesis developer community to provide third-party themes and you just run it much better um much better for the whole community of wordpress or you go down the hubspot road um I would imagine you thought about both. Am I correct in thinking that you've probably been thinking where to take it? I don't think that's an or. That's two different lines of business. Studio Press is still WordPress, you know, do-it-yourselfers. Um, for the design standpoint, obviously we could build that community into something bigger, and we've talked about it. Um, Rainmaker is is completely different from that, and again, it is more of a HubSpot um, for people who, again, don't have a 30-person commission sales team. You know, it's for regular small businesses that need to do lead generation, and they need to do it effectively if, with content and copy as opposed to a sales team. They need the lead to be ready to sign up when they show up. Or, and then you have people who build membership sites, who do online courses, who sell digital products, and that's another big, you know, in, in many ways, Rainmaker is almost ideal for that crowd, but it, we're, we're trying to demonstrate how it can be used for any type of business, really. So I think what you're saying are two different things, and they're both plausible. I will say with the, the limited resources, I mean, we've grown to 50 people, and we're probably going to grow a lot more than that pretty quickly, um, but you can only do so much. So we have to choose what's more important um, for our vision. And, and Rainmaker was the reason Copyblogger Media was formed. It wasn't called that in 2010, but that's what we started working on then. And that was, Brian Gardner came on at that time and understood that's what we were doing. So 
in a lot of ways, Studio Press has gotten us here. Um, but whether we can aggressively become theme forest or something else, I think we can. Uh, is that the smartest thing to do right now without, you know, having more resources? I'm not sure. Yeah. What, what's your feeling, uh, Brian Bourne? Um, do you see this, because um, you're very much a, a studio press shop, custom design. Yeah, so... Uh, how, how do you see this? Do you see this, you know, really benefiting your core business in the long term? You know, as far as, you know, my the way that we're structured as a typical design agency and one-to-one -one client services... We have done, I think, three custom projects on Rainmaker, and one of the projects was the clients wanted the membership functionality, they wanted the digital download part, and they did not want to deal with the, the kind of the pasting together of eight different plugins and using Zapier to make all this stuff happen. They wanted a turnkey solution for uh, that just worked for a monthly fee, and Rainmaker was a perfect solution for them. So we designed and built two custom themes one that sat on their main domain, and then Rainmaker was set up on a subdomain with a stripped-down version that passed the internal Rainmaker code review, and that process works amazing for them. They're able to have everything in their membership component managed for Rainmaker's value price, which I think is awesome and probably a little too low for the value that you get out of it. Then they still get all of the great features of WordPress and the custom functionality on the main front end of the site. So I think even though it's the product's only a year old, I think it has a bright future. And I think seeing more things like Rainmaker, Happy Tables, will just make WordPress last another 10 to 12 years from now, maybe longer. Yeah, it's interesting, Brian, isn't it? Um, I agree with you. What was your feelings, John, about this? You know, uh, you're your independent developer. Do you see these as opportunities or do you see it, you know, what's your basic feeling about it uh well i haven't got my hands on rainmaker yet um but i can tell you this the people that i talk to the business owners that i talk to uh they do value marketing and lead generation um above uh even web designer development when when people come up to you and um they ask you what you do and you say, like, I'm a web designer, they're just kind of like ho-hum. But if you mention the word marketing um, or, like, generating leads, their eyes get all, uh, you know, big and sparkly. I would definitely think that how uh, Studio Press has gone this route with, with Rainmaker of doing a turnkey solution for lead generation marketing and uh, content marketing is definitely on the money because I think that a lot more people are, you know, they're getting wise to uh, content marketing being the most effective way of nurturing a relationship with your customers and clients. So, Yeah, uh, David, what's your feelings? Uh, I mean, I definitely want to see... Um, I want to continue watching the growth of Rainmaker. Um, I've also not used it on the client site, but uh, but I've been you know checking out the site and info about it for uh, past few months. Uh, I helped build a turnkey system for a client in the past, and uh, watching how they've been able to market uh, their system to their uh, members, um, I want I want to see you know what else this market can do, and I think things like Rainmaker and uh, Happy Tables and uh, other similar ones I've mentioned. Um, are kind of good markers, good good uh, trailblazers for the rest of us to see, you know, what what's possible. Um, I did actually have a question uh, for you, Brian. 
Um, do you think that uh, Rainmaker, whether it already has or it will in the future, affect uh, the development cycle of Genesis itself? Um, you know, will that product affect how you handle or how actually now the Studio Press handles? Uh, Genesis development. Now we've actually um, structured to make sure that Studio Press and Genesis specifically never get impacted. So we did draft Nathan over onto the Rainmaker team out of sheer necessity, um, but I think he is is comfortably um, back focused on Genesis and this, and Studio Press. And of course, Lauren Mankey kind of took over day to day operations from Gardner. And she's just incredible. I mean, she's a dynamo. So to a certain degree, Gardner needed to grow into a new position because that happens. You know, I mean, he, he started with, what, Revolution in 2007? I mean, he's been doing this a long time. And uh, the, the interesting thing is, because he was always um, along with the plan from the beginning, but once we gave him a Rainmaker account, he became like this instant evangelist. And he's done a lot of the kind of work that I used to solely do as far as talking to people about it, getting people interested. Um, we've had a huge amount of interest in people with very prominent WordPress sites wanting to switch to Rainmaker. And the only issue, and I'll just be candid about it, is once you've gone through the trouble of, of you know, plugins and themes and custom post types and everything you have to do to make it work the way you want to, um, it's totally doable to move over. But a lot of people are like, well, I, okay, I already went through the hard work, you know. So we're seeing a lot of people who are starting new sites are like, okay, I'm starting off this way now. For example, we could move CopyBlogger from Synthesis to Rainmaker, functionali the functionality, perfect, no problem. But God, how much work would that be for no reason, you know? Um, that would be kind of taking our eye off the ball. So I think, you know, that's why Synthesis exists. I mean, we created that hosting line of business so that we could get hosting down cold because you don't create a SaaS platform unless you understand um, server in infrastructure. And that's why Rainmaker FM or Chris Brogan's site are on standard Rainmaker installs. They're not special. They're just there. So um, anyway, I'm rambling now, but Studio Press is in good hands. I think the only question is, uh, do we do we worry about growing it from a revenue standpoint, or do we absolutely focus on maintaining and supporting the developer community? Because we hope that you guys get involved on the Rainmaker side. You know, that would be nice, and that's the reason why we're, um, we've got the same design framework and everything. But at a very minimum, we're not abandoning you, and you're always going to have uh, our full attention. You know, it remains to, I'm always like, okay, what else can we do with Genesis? It kind of is. We always had this, when I left Thesis and went to Genesis, it was because of a difference in philosophy about a, what a design framework should be. Not overly complicated, but it does the job, right? So I know that Nathan and Brian are, and Lauren are still listening to guys like Brian, and like, what can we do? Let us know, and we'll work on it. Uh, I, just to, to pipe in on, on uh, that last comment, the, your team, and, and compliments uh, especially to Daisy and, and Jennifer, uh, but they've been incredibly receptive to feedback 
uh, and just like you said, are are trying to make things uh, streamline the process for developers. There's still, I do still think there's some opportunity there, but I very much appreciated uh, that the spirit with which they've interacted. Yeah, there are. You know, we we, we do want. We, we thrive on feedback. I mean, it's always been the way we develop and refine products. Um, and in this case, listening to the developer community is, is crucial. I know there are trade-offs with Rainmaker because it is kind of a lockdown system that annoy you guys because you are used to free, open source, do this and that. And yet, I think we all know that even really well-respected friends of mine with plugins have suffered from some serious, you know, security fails these days. I mean, the security thing is so important. Um, if I can do a real quick follow-up, uh, what would be your pitch to uh, those of us as developers, of developers who already use Genesis, uh, to start using Rainmaker uh, for clients? Well... Or do you pitch us? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so developers are a special breed because I've said before, you don't need the functionality of Rainmaker to build a site um, because you know how to build sites, right? Uh, now, a designer with Rainmaker can effectively do certain configurations of development, if you will, because they can, they can configure the site and with our reseller portal, they can save templates and just deploy with a push of a button. Now, would a developer add that to their repertoire of client services? I think so. Like if someone comes to you for a membership site uh, and they want, and, and they ask your advice about a marketing automation solution, in the back of your head, you know Rainmaker does all of that out of the box and you'll spend five minutes setting it up. We don't mandate what you charge for that, right? <laughs> so it, it really is up to the point of sale how that goes. So to me, designers for sure, but also in some cases developers could say, well, this is the right solution, so why would I build it when I can just deploy it? Yeah, can I ask a question, Brian? Um, basically, wasn't you a little bit nervous because you just said, you know, your company, you got limited resources. Weren't you a bit... I'm nervous about doing this with can't automatic just do in the next six months do exactly what Rainmaker's doing they could but they have no credibility in the marketing world <laughs> and I think acquisition would be the more likely than uh, <laughs> real I don't know I mean Matt has never gone after Mark Matt has never gone after our crowd um that's not to say that he wouldn't, but I think we do have, I mean, limited resources means we don't have an army of, I mean, a, a cash stockpile from someone else. You know, we made $10 million last year, but we do spend our own money <laughs> as opposed to someone else's. So that's what I mean with limited resources. Um, so Automatic could do it. I just don't see that people go to Automatic for that. I mean, are you going to upsell WordPress.com people to a very sophisticated uh, content marketing solution? It's a big leap. You know, yeah. I'll never rule anything out. But I think the rollout of, of Rainmaker and, and how many sites we sold at launch was a good indication that we're really in tune with our market, and it may be a stretch for another company to do that. 
Yeah, I think um, if you're go- if you're really looking to go to the HubSpot, I don't think automatic would would do that, Brian. But you know, WordPress automatic get most of their income from WordPress.com, and I, they might be forced into it by Squarespace and Wix and the other competitors. So well, I do see I do see WordPress.com as more of a Squarespace level product, and it does very well for them because think about how huge that market is. But that market also has to graduate or they have to quit. And more and more people realize that quitting isn't an option. So they're looking. And, and there's lots of businesses out there that have money more than they have time or the willingness to learn WordPress or plugins or worry about maintenance and whatnot. So on one hand, resellers uh, are uh, something we're thinking a lot about because you guys are on the street dealing with clients. Um, And then our direct sales are doing fine, but that's a a different type of person. That person could probably build their own WordPress site. They just don't want to. Yeah. So get on to um, something related out of the enormous amount of questions that I posted to my poor panel. Um, (laughs) uh, One of them was the um, latest, you know, you mentioned it, Brian, security and there was a, a quite a nasty security um, problem and maybe Moulton you would like to start off the conversation on that particular topic because you thought it was quite interesting. Sure. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes. That's good. Yes. Um, it, it's funny because ever since I started working with WordPress ages ago, there's always been this constant conversation outside of the WordPress community about how, oh, WordPress is not safe or WordPress is the safest thing you can do. And anytime any of these security issues surface, uh, the conversation starts again. And now we're starting to see because of the popularity of WordPress that you get articles like, um, uh, there was an article that was published a couple of weeks ago where it said the FBI is telling WordPress users to update because ISIS is going to use them to promote their campaign. Did you see that? Yeah, right? that was and, and, you know, every, every time there is something, you get like the Wall Street Journal saying 100,000 WordPress sites are affected by this horrible bug that is going to basically melt the internet. Um, personally, I find the conversation around security to be kind of... Uh, bizarre because it doesn't relate to what's actually happening. I mean, the bug that was uncovered is extremely hard to exploit in any rational way. And it's not like it was WordPress's fault that the bug was there. And it was only announced after people had started fixing it. So you're, you're kind of in a situation where there was a problem in the past now that we fixed it, you should totally freak out about it because <laughs> if you go back in time, you could exploit this, right? But it also shows how, um, I, I think it shows the value of open source as opposed to a closed source environment because when you look at um, Microsoft or Adobe or Apple, when they have security issues, it takes a very long time before they fix it. I mean, Apple actually let an, a security issue slide for two years because they were like, ah, no one's going to do anything about this anyway, and no one knows it exists. And then it turned out it was a huge problem. They just had ignored it. And Microsoft does the same thing. Apple, uh, Adobe does the same thing. But when something is uncovered in an open source environment, there's a competition internally between all the developers on who gets to fix this first and put their name on the actual solution, right? And who writes the the epic article that will become the go-to article for everyone else. So there's security in the openness of the system. And I actually think 
all this stuff that's been happening now is proof that open source works when it comes to security. All right. What do you think about this, Carrie? I think that I could not possibly say it better than Morton just said it. But to chime in on a, am I muted? No. Uh, Morton, you published an article, uh, well, I guess it was after this last round of some automatic updates that were, uh, that really pissed people off. That, <laughs> oh my gosh, you updated my software without telling me. Uh, and you brought up the, the point of we're the 1%. The people who are going to complain mm -hmm. about that are the developers or the, I mean, we are by far the vast minority. Uh, so something that was done for the good of the majority, uh, you know, I think, so the same thing, same thing this week. I don't know. I didn't, I haven't been uh, online that much. So I didn't see if there was too much. Yeah, and just adding to that, I mean, the, the big controversy was over WordPress SEO by Yoast. When that got updated, apparently some sites broke and everything went to hell. So in the next round, the round that happened this week, there were a whole bunch of plugins that were updated automatically. And Yoast specifically pulled himself out of that update because he was like, you know, I don't want to deal with all these people going crazy over this anymore. But the reality is exactly that. We yeah. have to consider all the normal people who use WordPress because they're the ones that use WordPress and they're the ones that get hacked. It's not us. Well, and you're, if we freak you're out about it, we're freaking about it for the wrong reasons. You're both exactly right. Um, even when, Morton, when you said earlier, well, and then everyone updated it and it wasn't an issue. No, they didn't. I mean, <laughs> there's tons of people who didn't update, right? You know? And no, no, I meant, I meant like the, the big plugins that had issues. The plugins right, right. Okay. got so, updated. Yeah, they Whether or not people actually it. did the update is a whole other conversation. Yeah, that that is a big deal. But yeah, I had one of my WordPress sites update automatically and I was like, Thank you. You know, um, and of course, that's none of those plug-in issues affected Rainmaker because we, you know, keep that from happening and we update everything for people. But barring that, the move towards automatic updates, people have to just accept that it's for the greater good. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is these are real problems that happen when you don't have something like that. What's your feelings, Brian Bone? No, I, I think I totally agree. I think the move towards background updates where it's something like Chrome, every time you log in, it's always up to date. I think that push, nobody likes doing updates. I mean, most developers are just super paranoid and crazy about it, but you can opt out. You can turn off all those automatic updating features and make it a manual process like you've done for decades and, you know, continue to do that. But for the 99.9% .9 of people out there, automatic updates are a great thing. Yeah, what's your feeling, David? All right. David? <laughs> no, not muted. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think the idea of background updates, uh, as Ryan mentioned, is is more important. Uh, not just automatic, but uh, you usually don't notice that Chrome is updated, so you have nothing to get upset about. Um, I mean, I know that there's a big difference between Chrome automatically updating and certain plugins or WordPress core automatically updating. But when it gets to the point, I think we're just in a messy transition period right now, when it gets to the point of it being so commonplace that no one thinks twice about the update um, or that it can fade into the background even more than it already is, it'll, it'll be, there'll be, I think there'll be a lot less outcry. <laughs> we just have to yeah. that messy period of, you know, figuring that out. Um, I just want to put this to John. I um, just want to add a little bit. I get the feeling that people think updates are great, John, but my perspective is they're great when they go right. 
it's when 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 it when you're if you're developed a site or you're you're being paid to maintain it and it gets updated automatically and it doesn't go well, that's a different story. What's your feelings about that, John? Um, most of the time, background updates uh, go well. Uh, occasionally, something will go wrong. Uh, I did have uh, one person with their own hosting. Uh, and it was a minor update on WordPress, and something didn't uh, go quite right. Because I know that um, the foundation, they're trying to get, they're trying to work with all the hosts, the major hosts, to do background updates automatically. For some reason, um, something on that particular server didn't uh, do it quite right, so I just manually uh, uploaded it. Everything was fine. Um, one, one thing I would point out is a lot of people, you know, WordPress has a bad rap for being insecure. A lot of people are hesitant to use it because they think that it is not as secure as something as Drupal or Joomla. But the truth of the matter is, is any website on the web um, is got security vulnerabilities. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with the coordinated efforts to update all the plugins at once, the sharing of knowledge, the background updates, these things are pushing WordPress in the direction of making things more secure than they were in the past. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, I want to go on to, I think we covered that. With some um, interesting I, go on, sorry. Oh, sorry, just one, um, one other quick thing. I, I see another issue uh, that's very common here, or that I've noticed a lot of my clients, is, uh, is things changing. Uh, by that I mean um, just things look different or, oh, this is better because it makes more sense for this thing to be in this place, but it doesn't if you've been doing it this other way for a long time. Um, people can create great efficiency out of inefficient systems bred through, uh, you know, the complacency that they've used it all the time. Um, there are a lot of, you know, great systems to update. I mean, heck, Windows 8, even go for a big one, is a lot better than Windows 7 in a wide variety of ways but it's also way worse than it because it's not the same. So whether or not it actually is any better or worse, it's since it's not the same, where's my little taskbar, whatever, uh, that's what people are going to spend time complaining about, um, or at least one of the things. And so I, I do get people who go, oh, well, this button used to be here, but it's here, or I can't find it anymore, uh, even if the button is now cleanly in the front of the page, like staring them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you brought up a really interesting point, David, that, le that leads on to my list of my um, questions. Um, yes. The next one, you know, um, about the option panel and about um, WordPress.com um, stating that they're going to enforce interface standards. Um, that interested me because I'll, I just want to put to the panel, and I'll, I'll put it first to uh, Brian Clark, is that... Squarespace, was that one of the reasons why Squarespace failed? Because they allowed people to customize the interface too much. And that's one of the reasons maybe why um, Facebook, because they provided one interface, and that's why it got such traction. Um, so there's always a balance between a unified interface and customization. What's your feelings about that, Brian? 
Well, I'm not sure Squarespace failed. They were on the Super Bowl again. Uh, no Squarespace. Um, MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Oh, okay. That changes <laughs> the whole question. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm really oh, not throwing far right now. Because I could not figure out how to answer that. <laughs> okay, MySpace. <laughs> uh, compared, what was the question again? <laughs> no. Um, unified, inter or too much customability compared to more of a standard interface. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we'll sometimes be asked for more flexibility and things like that, and we'll generally resist in the sense that, I mean, as convoluted as WordPress can be sometimes from an admin standpoint, once you figure out where things are, you, you kind of want them to stay there, and I, I think you're kind of onto something. I, I don't know that that's, there's a whole lot of reasons why MySpace failed. Um but that may be an aspect of it. Yeah, thank you. What about you, um, Kerry? What do you think about that? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> oh, oh, Kerry got her away. Well, maybe she just didn't like the question. I don't know. <laughs> Walton, uh, Walton what, what's your feelings? Okay, so for the last two weeks, uh, I'm currently recording a, a bunch of courses for Linda, and um, uh, I've been working with a bunch of free themes or basically going through themes to find themes that serve well for certain purposes. And uh, I can honestly say having worked with, uh, I think I tested 50 different free themes that are in the theme directory, having seen the plethora of completely insane uh, theme options customizations panel and just how absurdly finicky and weird they are, I feel so bad for users of WordPress that have to suffer through that crap because it truly is crap. Like there, there's a theme that uh, I can show you. It's it's completely crazy. I'm sure one of you built it, and you'll be like, "What?" <laughs> you call someone live on it, air. Like, okay, so uh, can you see this? Uh, the screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Right. So, there you go. so this we can is. See it. This is a customization pay panel for a, uh, a theme where I can go in and go to color and font and change the font family, font weight, fonts subset, and font size for every single possible font on the entire page. So header, uh, title, uh, sub comments, uh, meta content, the actual content itself. And while that makes sense from a purely I want to give build a theme that has every possible option. It makes no sense for the end user. This is anti end user. This is a this is a customization option that's served up solely for the purpose of someone who's going to sell this site to someone else. So when it's served up in the WordPress theme directory, you're actually not serving the right type of product to the right person. Well, Moulton, I, I, thought, I thought it was a good idea when I designed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the purpose, the, the purpose of the customizer, if you hark back to um, WordCamp San Francisco San, uh, in 2013, um, uh, Matt had a screen up where he showed a customizer panel that had, I think, 100 different tabs. That was like, this is the worst example of customization you could possibly find. And he said, 
this does not work. Like no rational person would ever be able to use this in a functional way, right? So he, that was when he introduced this idea of moving everything into the customizer. And I think that's necessary, not because it puts constraints on the developers, but because it makes the experience of using WordPress and using WordPress themes consistent across the free theme directory. If you want to have an endless amount of customization, that's fine. You just can't be in the free directory, right? Because all of these themes, like the one I showed you, it's basically a little advertising module to get you to go buy the pro theme, which has a hundred extra features. There's no, this theme wasn't served up to give me a theme to work with. It was served up to give me a theme that I want to update to something else. So I see the, I see the anger and resentment, but the reality is moving the customization into the customizer will make WordPress better for the end user. And that's all that matters, that the end user has a good experience. Yeah, I do agree. Carrie, um, I just want to put a question, and, you know, um, obviously Morton's put some passionate arguments there, but um, the other factor, like Theme Forest, I think one of the most popular themes on Theme Forest is this um, X theme that's got, talk about panels, um, but it's one of the most popular. Have you got any insights why, you know, um, you've got one way that WordPress.com's going and then you've got an example on Theme Forest and they, they seem to be in contradiction in some ways. What do you think, Carrie? Uh, it just, it's gross. Like when, when there's that much going on in a, in a theme, it's, uh, well, I mean, to Morton's point, it's ultimately not good for the end user. They may think they want that many options, but... Uh, Really, that just adds. It's to go back to the WordPress mantra of decisions, not options. Uh, it's actually simpler for people. And, and take Rainmaker for is a great example of that. You simplified it to do you know four or five things really well. And if you need to do these, this, 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 and this, then maybe that's not the platform for you. But I think it's distracting when there's too many options. Uh, plus, from a performance standard, when you have something that's uh, coded so poorly. I, don't, I mean, I'm not calling out the X theme specifically, but I mean, if the shoe fits, uh, but <laughs> not good. What about you, Brian Baum? Got any feelings? So yeah, we you know we do client work, so I don't we don't build our themes with any options, and it's one of the reasons why I continue to build on Genesis because there's maybe a handful of settings, and they are in the customizer but we pre-configure them for the client. They don't even ever go to that page, and I actually unregister the majority of the settings anyways because they hire us to deliver a very custom-tailored solution. If there was all of those options and all that stuff built in, I wouldn't use Genesis as my starting point. I would you know, build something from scratch for myself. I th how, how think the themes with all of those options... Oh, I'm sorry, I lost you there. Oh, sorry, Brian. How do you deal with the client that says, well, I, I want a load of options because I, I want to do a lot of this myself? How do you we don't deal work with, with those type of clients. All oh, right. <laughs> That's not a client. Actually That's someone who wants to do it themselves. Yeah. Yep. There's an option on the board's right. contact form, and it says, do you want a lot of customization options? And if you check that box, it just redirects you to ThemeForest. <laughs> some notes here. Uh, Idea that, from Carrie. Uh, nice. I mean, that was great. Uh, what about you, David? What's your feelings about it? Um, I actually have a comment and a question. Uh, comment first, um, uh, as been mentioned, as uh, as Carrie mentioned, um, 
people might think they want all of those options, which is why things like uh, X-Theme and Avada are so popular. That's what a lot of us think is why they're so popular is because they can say, well, we offer you 18 different sliders and we offer you the ability to change every single font and all of that. Um, so I think part of, because uh, we're all coming at it, or everyone who's made a comment already is coming at it from a developer of, you know, this is uh, bad for performance and this is bad for managing the site and updating it. Um, but no one... The other 99% doesn't know that when they're going into buy. Mm -hmm. uh, so how, how can we uh, better educate them, um, I think, is the real issue. And is that something that, because a lot of people are really trying really hard to educate them, but is that something that you can really do, step in front of, you know, step in front of the creators of X-Theme before somebody goes to make that purchase? Sorry for picking on that one specific theme right now. And just say, hold up, don't buy this one because of all these reasons that matter to us. Um, well, I, I think don't know if there's a good solution there. And I actually did have a, I'm sorry if I can just toss a quick question in, um, or maybe I'll wait until everyone's done talking. Uh, actually, I have yet another question since this is my first chance to talk to Brian. Um, <laughs> to lob another question at you, the, the move, uh, the decision made to switch to uh, the theme, uh, the customizer only, um, while all of the Genesis options exist in the customizer, would that... Uh, you don't have to have an answer now, but would that compel you to think differently, or excuse me, compel the, I'm sorry, uh, your team to think differently about um, how options are added in Genesis in the future? Um, and I don't mean to pick on you specifically, you just happen to be here, but I mean mm -hmm. premium theme developers who don't plan on putting them on .org. Wow, that is a uh, that is a question for someone you smarter can, than me. You can pass that along. You can say I'm I mean, not going to answer that. I totally. My, you know, my involvement in development dating back again to thesis and then the, the switch to Genesis and and Rainmaker is really user centric. So, so a lot of what has been expressed here about. Uh, simplicity and power over every option under the sun. Uh, that is my philosophy as far as things go. So that, from a very top level, that drives our development cycle. Um, but as far as specific decisions like that, that'll come probably at the level of Gardner, Nathan, Chris Garrett. Um, I also want to point out uh, that what Brian Bourne said about we don't work with those clients. I mean, that's just such a great business lesson right there. When people come to us and they're like, I want to be on Rainmaker, but I need this plugin. And I'm like, well, you don't want to be on Rainmaker. You know, I mean, you, ha you cannot serve everyone. You hopefully find your spot in the market and it's big enough to make you happy but you got to stick by that, right? Or you'll never be happy. And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with Brian, but I, I just want to point out that, that what he said there is incredibly important. And, and I'm not sure these theme developers who are throwing everything in the kitchen sink into their theme are, are trying to please everyone. What they're trying to do is sound good on their sales page, even though it's not good for the user. And people don't know. So they're like, well, this one does more, so it must be better. Well, no, not necessarily. Yeah, I think you touched something, Brian. I just want to quickly see if um, add to it and see if you agree to it. Um, you said, I've got a feeling with Squarespace and some of these themes on Theme Forest is that they encourage a certain user to mess around about design and about 
where something goes on the page. Yeah. And it allows them to get away from the basic thing. They've got to have decent content. Mm-hmm. They've got to have something why somebody would want to go to the website and keep coming back. Do you think there's a lot of people, and do you think it's linked to people that are not actually making a lot of money from their website, and as soon as you do start making some money from a website, it becomes a totally different picture? Would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, you know, the tinkerers, um, and, and Gar- Brian Gardner is a self-confessed one. He'll change his design every three weeks if you let him. But it does get in the way. And so here's just a couple of interesting anecdotes. You know, uh, we've had Rainmaker users who are like, I hate the fact that I can't play around with everything, but it's forced me to focus on my business. Mm. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then on the other end of things is, you know, any, like, uh, speaking of HubSpot and how that is marketed, because, you know, pricing determines prestige and, and necessity, not necessarily reality. So people are like, well, we're a real business, so we should pay HubSpot a thousand a month. And yet, do you know any high traffic websites on HubSpot? Do you know any serious publishers? No, we use WordPress or some derivative, but we use a custom version of WordPress, right? And so that's all we're trying to deliver to people is, here is a custom version of WordPress. It happens to be the one that we use. And, you know, do you really need something more than a company like ours who have, have been very successful and built an entire company out of content and our answer of course without trying to sound like jerks is you don't need anything other than this what you need is some great content that people actually want and then the the technology to back you up i I think that if i can pitch in here like the um there's something that ties all of this together with a bunch of other conversations that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, And it actually ties all the way back to the beginning of the web too, just to make it lots of fun. (laughs) We in the web industry have done both the users of the web and ourselves a disservice in making web design and development look like something anyone with a computer can do. Um, and it's the disservice comes out in many forms. One is that a lot of people end up doing exactly what you were describing, that you end up with a situation where you're a lawyer and you spend an enormous amount of time building a website that doesn't work properly. Now you're not actually doing your job, you're doing someone else's job and you're losing money in the process. The other part of that is um, people get so focused on the technical component of making a site that they forget the entire purpose of having a site is to communicate something to other people. And if you're not communicating anything, then it doesn't matter how fancy your site is. No one's actually going to interact with it and it sure will not make you money. Right. Right. And, and we're, we're in this weird situation now where people have gotten so used to that, that our industry is now creating tools for people to do it themselves. And when they make those tools, they try to make them so that they will serve every possible conceivable need. That's how you end up with a theme that has 18 sliders. It's because they're saying, well, you know, different people want sliders in different places and I'm just going to give them every possibility so that then we're sure that someone will buy this theme. But now we've built an entire business model around serving a client base that shouldn't technically be served, that should instead be directed towards getting professional services done. I mean, I, I equate this to 
um, the photography business, where it's like you don't go into Photoshop and buy the most expensive camera you could possibly find and then say, oh, I'm now I'm going to go out and take pictures of ducks on the street. It simply doesn't work that way. <laughs> you would never go to a dentist and then the dentist says you need fillings and say, no, 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 I will buy some you know, epoxy and do this myself. But when it comes to web design, something that your entire business may hedge on, you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to pay someone a couple of thousand dollars to do this. I will do it myself. That's not the fault of the client. That's actually the, that's actually our fault. We've taught the public to think that our industry has no value, right? Uh, I don't exactly agree with that. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't care. That's my opinion. That's yeah, what I'm saying. saying. Uh, but I mean, right. you know, not to, not to pick on anyone, in, in, but that is a message you'll hear from the Wixes of the world, right? You know, and there's so much, even Squarespace pushes it with their SEO claims. I mean, give me a break. You know, it's yeah. it's all so easy, and here's the solution, just pay us, you know, and that, again, the educational component of here's how you do what matters, and here's how the technology makes your life easier, you know, maybe that's why we're not, you know, Squarespace or HubSpot, but at least it's intellectually honest. And I yeah, think what you're doing is the right thing, because you're shifting focus away from the technology to actually producing content. Right. Right. Yeah, I'd like to ask Brian Bourne a question on this. Um, Brian, have you, um, I've noticed, and I just want to see if you agree, Brian, have you noticed that when people are actually making some reasonable money from their website, oh, is he, is he gone? Uh, no, I'm here. Oh, he's still <laughs> uh, Do you think their attitude about all this really changes quite dramatically? Um, yeah, it's like anything, you know, people who start small, start a business, they, they're used to doing everything themselves, but you can only reach a certain amount of capacity on your own. Then eventually things start having to be delegated, whether you hire employees, contractors, you need support. And at some point you have to let go. Um, and then usually web professionals is one of those services that people hire. That being said, we have one client in particular, very, very successful, Last month, his site had a million page views, and he still likes to go in and mess around with it. It's his hobby. It's kind of his release at the end of the professional day. He really likes it. I look at it as the, the $500,000 uh, Manhattan lawyer who still likes to tinker on his house on the weekend and go to Home Depot and buy a lumber and a hammer. It doesn't mean he's a carpenter, but he still likes it and derives some joy out of it. So there are, not just necessarily the do-it-yourselfer, but there is also the people that do find joy, even though they can greatly afford to hire anyone to do it for them. Yeah, I th but I think that that group of person is kind of unique to an open source community such as WordPress, and you're, we have trouble sometimes seeing that these are big, big exceptions to the norm normal person, right? The normal business person I know would not want to play around with any of this stuff. Um, but well, is it sometimes... 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, but it's... <laughs> but, but really, any open source movement is a DIY thing, right? And we're all products of that. And yet, I think... Matt has had the vision to really say that WordPress is a starting point, go build with it, right? And that's really where we're heading because we're realizing that the rest of the world thinks we're a bunch of weirdos, <laughs> you know, as far as what we like to do and what we've been doing since the 90s as far as building websites and stuff like that. 
I appreciate well, the focus that you put on uh, on content creation. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was going to ask you, David. Oh, oh, okay. Well, thank you. Um, and then I'm gonna, probably going to jump off. I have a I have a flight to catch in a little bit. Um, I appreciate the focus that you put on content uh, and on making sure that people are actually using the product because I think one thing that. Uh, you know, that does set apart the Wixes and the Weeblies and the Squarespaces and let's say the buy it theme, you know, that does all of the many themes of things is, uh, is that they want aspirational tools. For most people, they're aspirational tools where no one's going to go and leave a bad review or give a bad review of Squarespace and say, or, you know, whatever platform it is and say, oh man, my website didn't take off because I didn't take the time to put the content in and actually market <laughs> and do whatever sales. Right. You know, you might get a bad review saying, oh, this is too difficult to use or, oh, this was whatever. But no one's going to go back there and say, you know, it's my fault that this thing didn't work right for me. Uh, so those companies are able to make sales uh, intentionally or not on the aspirational users. The, oh man, if I have this theme that can do all of these things, then I'm going to do all of these things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and not everyone lives up to the, the dreams and resolutions and goals they set for themselves, myself included. All of us. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's your feelings, John, about this? Uh, this discussion, yeah, there's a, there's a lot here. Um, let's try and tie it all together here. Uh, David made a lot of great points, as did Morton and, and the Bryans. Um I think the customizer um, being moved to .org, I think Matt and Automatic, they're trying to tell developers and maybe peer pressure them into getting away from these bulky theme options in the themes like you see on Theme Forest because they are giving um, the purchasers there the idea that they can do it all themselves. But the thing of it is, is not everybody can do it themselves. Um, and I think, as Brian Bourne said, they don't work with clients that just want a set of hands to come in and finish out customizing like a theme for them. Like, I picked this theme, and now I just need you to kind of get it there. They, and those type of people um, don't value uh, what we do, web design or marketing or uh, content creation. And oftentimes they um, don't get to their goals because they want something that's simple. And whether that's Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, or going to Theme Forest to get all the work done, they generally, it's like they want minimal work that they put into it, and they want a, just a simple solution. But the people who are successful they're willing to put in the work of the content creation. And if they work with a designer to get them a proper platform to do that and work with them to distribution plan, or whether they pay the monthly fee to have a platform like Rainmaker that will do all that for them, those are the people that generally get farther into their goals than just the person that is only willing to spend 60 bucks at Theme Forest. But that in itself, we're t if we're telling people you can do this yourself, they're going to try to do it themselves. And we have trained them to think that. Yeah, yeah I think that's a great point. But uh, reflecting on what Morton say, I, I do actually, I think this $60 business for a theme 
this $25 for a plug-in. I think this is where this is where it really all started to go a little bit wrong because it kind of builds up. Um, I would criticise the WordPress community, and I think it was sustained because it was in a model of high growth. So it enabled people to have a price model that encouraged this attitude and this culture, basically, um, which is in some ways is a bit regrettable, but. Um, is what it is, really. Um, Jonathan, we're a few few seconds over an hour. Yeah, I just want to ask Brian one more question, and then I thought maybe uh, that panel might want to ask him a question. Yeah, go on. Does the panel want to ask some questions, of Brian? Brian Bourne, yes. Uh, is that <laughs> that BC on your shirt an ode to me or something else? Oh, I no, I didn't even think about it. No, it's the uh, icon of our new logo. So <laughs> always be branding, right? Yeah, nice. No, it's the Brian Clark Fan Club T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Send me a couple. Right, um, can I ask one one final question of you, Brian? Um, I think it was your interview on Mixergy. Um, you went in. I thought it was an excellent interview, and um, I learned a lot from it. Um, and you went into your career around partnerships that you've built um, very positive business partnerships. Um, and a lot of people have got very bad experiences of business partnerships or they've been told that they shouldn't really engage in business partnerships. Um, but you seem to have built your business career on very positive some 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 haven't worked out the way that you hoped, but they, you know, both parties are parted company, and it is what it is. But overall, you've built a career on partnerships. Have you got any reflections, any additional reflections about what makes a good business partnership, and how do you keep it maintained? Yeah, I'm four for five in the last ten years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so when, when I talk about, you know, the fact that uh, we've never taken VC or other investment funds, what I'm not saying is you have to get it done some way. So I chose collaboration and partnerships over going to a money person, and that may just be the way that I'm wired. Um, but if you can, you can, if you can develop the right partnerships, um, you know, it's invaluable and you can do things that you just, you can do things that money really wouldn't solve for you. In fact, having a bunch of money uh, makes you less creative. I'm a big believer in constraints and figuring out creative solutions to getting things done. And partnerships are the way to do that to a certain degree. Now, the interesting thing about me is that it was building the audience that attracted all these partnerships to me. So it's not like I went hunting for the right person for this or that or the other thing. They all came from the audience. Um, and what you don't see is the 95 people I told no. You know, so the, the great thing about or the, the secret to choosing great partners, number one is being just very, very selective. Um, be very analytical about does this work or not. Be very generous in how you deal with them. Always make sure that there is a win for them that is equal to or greater than what's in it for you. 
Um, and then ultimately, even if it looks good on paper and everything sounds good, uh, you got to do a gut check. Um, there have been a few partners uh, or opportunities that came my way where everything looked yeah. perfect on paper and yet it didn't feel right and I didn't do it. And, you know, shortly thereafter or a year or two late, later, you know, you find out that you're like you dodged a bullet. So that's kind of non-scientific to a certain degree. But I think a lot of our decisions ultimately have to come down to our comfort level. And that's not the same as being nervous of taking a step. That's a different thing. Uh, it's whether or not you feel like you can trust someone and that they're being genuine with you. That's a great answer. Um, Brian um, Bourne, you know, your partner is your wife. Um, and have you got any reflections? Um, I don't know how dangerous you want to be. Have you got any <laughs> reflection about... Um, What's it, the good points and the bad points of having your wife as your business partner? No, I think it's great. You know, Jen and I have a, you know, a great working relationship. We've been working together for a long time. Um, you know, like any business partner or anything, you have your moments where you don't always agree and you have to reach a compromise. Um, Jen is 100 times better at it than me. But for me, the hard <laughs> thing is shutting it off at the end of the day or on the weekend and remembering, all right, it's not business partner time it's you know family time and she's way better than that than I am and I'm striving to get better but I would say that's the biggest suggestion I have for anyone who's considering partnering with their spouses create those boundaries early on between work and personal life and try to keep them separate as much as possible so any personal issues don't invade the business partnership discussions and vice versa Right. What about you, John? Have, have you had any business partnerships or have you always been a loner? No, I've always been a lone wolf. I've had, now I do have people that I've been working with for, you know, a long time. So I guess you could say those are business relationships, not really partnerships. And, and those have worked out really good. Um, uh, I do have a fiance. She, she's starting a business of her own too. Um, so, you know, we've, talked about um, going into business together but then we're like nah you know you you do your thing and I'll do mine so right um, I just want to remark on your Brian um, I think that gut feeling um, I have had I've, I've been in business for over 25 years Brian I started my first business when I was 23 and twice I had a really strong gut feeling that, and I didn't take any notice of it and I did a partnership. I've had a couple of partnerships that really were very successful, but there were twice where I had a strong gut feeling and I rationalized it away. I kind of refused to accept my gut feeling and they turned out to be absolute nightmare train wrecks, Brian. Yeah. So I think what you said about really listening to your gut um, that inner part of yourself and not being so analytical that you don't listen to it is really important. Yeah, a, a train wreck partner is worse than having a job. So remember why we do this stuff in the first place. Right, Brian. Um, I, we've lost Morton and uh, Carrie. I, I think Carrie had technical problems. And she they, they had to bounce. Yep. They had to go. All right. Um, but thank you so much, Brian, and uh, thank the rest of the panel. I think it's been a really great discussion. We've had some technical problems at the start, but we got over them, and um, 
I think it's been a great overall panel discussion. And uh, thank you for coming, folks. Yeah, no, this was great. Thanks for having me. Oh, great, Brian. I hope you did enjoy it because I do appreciate you coming on the show. And Brian Bourne, thank you for coming on. I think it's... Anytime. Thanks for having me. Um, John, as always, I think your insights have been great. Thanks, Jonathan. Right. Right. Thanks, Brian. Real fast on my iMac, the wheel of death was flying around um, on the logic. I have a plug-in for the Logitech camera, a little uh, plug-in for tuning it. So who knows what was going on, but we were able to get the podcast out, not the podcast, and we'll be able to get the podcast out. By the way, podcasts will be up uh, Sunday, um, Saturday night late, Sunday morning, and then this will be up right away as soon as we process it. Hey, uh, Brian, how long have you lived in Boulder? Uh, just about three years now. Have you have you really enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, I love it. I love Colorado. I love the mountains. I love hiking. Um, Boulder is a very interesting town. I'll leave it at that. But it's a yeah, very diverse group of people here. <laughs> where where did you come uh, from, Brian? So uh, Austin uh, through Dallas. So, yeah, big, big difference between Texas. But I think the climate better suits me than, say, 110-degree uh, summers. Yeah, I went to Denver for 10 days in August, and I was impressed with Denver. I've got some friends um, yeah. in Denver, and I think it's a great city, actually. Well, you know, it's pretty good weather, too. We're a smaller town, though. Well, Where are you? We're both in uh, Reno, Nevada. Oh, yeah. Nevada's okay. great. I mean, the weather's great. Mountains are beautiful. Near Tahoe at all? Uh, about oh. 45 minutes. Yeah, right, right. Reno is, yeah, okay. Uh, we, I live, we live up in the hills. Jonathan lives down in Carson City, which is really close to Tahoe on the backside. Right. Yeah, I ski heavenly, Brian, quite regularly. Nice. <laughs> that's, what, that's why uh, I've got no money. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, but no, um, the reason I've got, you know, I, I'm actually making a SAS out of WordPress and it's, you know, it's almost destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I've had a few Ruby on Rails developers just laugh at me, but. <laughs> All right then. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. Brian, uh, Jonathan, I'll see you off, offline. Yeah. Take care. Nice to meet you guys. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. To the broadcast is off.